What's a single word that oh, you feel best describes you? That's very difficult. Oh, man. How much time do I have to think about it? <laughs> right, right. I think what would be a good word is curious. Hmm. And I say that because um, the, my curiosity allowed me to ask questions about how things work and why things work and um, how someone was able to do a certain thing or, you know, since I was little, I used to take things apart, you know, uh, just to understand mm. how the mechanics of it uh, worked. And then uh, um, once I understood the mechanics of it, I, I, I would ask questions on um, how people use certain things to make their art or make a craft or something like that. So, um, I would say it, it would start with curiosity. Tell me about your upbringing in West Baltimore. Grew up around the Park Heights area, uh, 80s baby, you know, so mm. seen a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, seen a lot. Right. And um, went to all public schools and, and things like that. And, um, you know, early on, I was into the arts. I was, I was always drawing like different comic books. I would have the Marvel comics. I would have DC comics and I would have um, a pen and a pad wherever I went. So it was, it was that from the beginning. So I always used to draw. And um, right. after that, it was um, leaning into the music as I was getting older, you know, getting into girls and things like that, wanting to go to parties. And, you know, it, it always stems, you know, back to, to, to women, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. As a kid, right. You know, right. So um, in, um, and 99, I, um, I decided to be a DJ and that's when I was going into high school. So I ended up getting these, uh, turntables that, um, <laughs> basically kind of made its way through my family. My brother found them at the flea market, the Tapsco flea market. That was like, right. those are the best turntables though. They are, <laughs> right. they are. Right. and they, they literally were, and they started everything, you know, mm. but my brother had them. And apparently he didn't want to give them to me, so he sold them to my cousin. And my and I had to like mow lawns and 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 uh, um, help people take their groceries in the house and and shovel mm -hmm. snow and stuff like that to save up some money to buy them from him for one hundred fifty dollars. And I bought those wow. um, Technique two hundred twos. I think they was Belt mm -hmm. Drive. And I bought those, and um, I ended up doing uh, these parties at this this place called I Can't Weekend. It was a, a recovery center. And they celebrated um, everybody. I didn't understand it when I was younger. I didn't know what it was. But I Can't Weekend was a recovery center. And they would have parties every Friday because they would celebrate someone being one week sober. So I was the entertainment for that. I was I would DJ. And um, that's back when you had to bring all your records. So we would have crates and crates of records. And I would have to bring my all, all my speakers and everything <laughs> and my amps. And my and my cables and 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 extension cords and power strips and all that stuff. And this is me in high school, you know. So wow. I'm making four hundred dollars every weekend, um, or every Friday rather, turned into like twelve hundred dollars a weekend in high school, you know. So arts and entertainment can be a very lucrative business. So yeah, man, you uh, you're definitely better than me. Um, I didn't have a dime. Oh boy. <laughs> in high school I was lucky I don't even know how I got all that music you know uh, 
I think that's the only thing I spent my money on was music. So it's, I mean, it's pretty clear based off of what what you've said so far about uh, being curious. Um, and it's, it's also clear that you're a creative person from the get go and, and you follow your, your interests and your, and, and what I get as a, a passion, even if you don't know where it's going to lead you, just the fact that you were so determined to get, you know, those turntables, you know, not to get a, not to get a new pair, but to get turntables in general so you can do yeah. a thing. I remember it so vividly. I couldn't sleep. I was having like these extreme moments of like, I, I don't know what to do because I needed to have this because I had something in my head that I wanted to get out and uh, it ended mm. up being needing those turntables. And when I was putting those beats together, you know, it just, right. it just felt right. It felt free, you know? Now in, in your household as a kid, will, would you say it was a, a creatively nurturing environment and maybe that's what sparked it or, or uh, tell me about your parents. Maybe is there something there or is this uniquely you? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not one bit. My father was a Vietnam vet. You know what I mean? Oh. He worked at Murray's, you know, so. <laughs> right, right, right. He at the grocery store, yo. So, nah, it was not a creative environment. Um, um, But I feel like genetically it was supposed to be that way because it wasn't, mm. it wasn't in the house. However, my father had things around and um, he used to uh, take pictures um, and then one day he just stopped. Um, it, it was in a room in the house called the dark room. And I was afraid of it because it was called the dark room. Nobody explained <laughs> to me what it was. Nobody. That's what I'm talking about. Nobody, right. said, nothing. <laughs> Nobody said nothing. He was like, go get your father. He's down in the dark room. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> why? Why did I go get him? I'm the youngest, you know. But he was down in there. He was working on computers and things like that. And um, he uh, he was he had all these old cameras. And 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 um, when I was maybe seven years old, um, it's so funny when I have to think about it. When I was about seven years old, um, he had this beta cam up in the in my closet in my room, and um, and it was one of those old cameras that had like the tether, the umbilical cord from the camera itself to the tape deck. Where you have to put the deck, the tape in the um the thing from the top, and it would it would you know you have to push it down, not not like a front loader, right? I would take that whole thing down, and I would turn it on, and I would make stop motion before I knew what stop motion was with my action figures, and I would record, and I would let them say something, and then I would move them, and I would stop it, and I would record, and I would let them say something, and I would move it again, and then when you play it all back, you would see they move all choppy and stuff like that, and you would hear them right. saying something, and it was just. It was fun. It was fun to um, take time and, and build those things and made the time pass quickly. And, you know, just seeing seeing how you can create something, you know. So I won't say that it was a creative household, being right. that my, my father worked at a, um, a grocery store and wherever else. And my mother worked for the city for 30-something <laughs> years. So mm. there was definitely no creativity. But I say that genetically it's there. Because on my mother's side, my uh, grandmother was a seamstress and she used to make all kinds of things, even down to the ornaments that we would put on the tree every year. You know, wow. um, there was, there was uh, ceramic things that was around the house that she made, you know, and they're still here to this day, uh, like elephants and things like that. 
you know, and my mother always wanted to do those things. But considering that my grandmother had my mother 21 years after her first child, she, you know, my aunt basically was her mom, you know, so she really didn't have hands on to teach her all these uh, crafts and things like that. So it's like, it's not that um, my parents didn't want it because they definitely wanted it. You know, they just didn't have the either the time or the the patience or whatever they they had two kids you know what I mean so right. they had to, they had to do what they had to do so it wasn't really a um a um uh, artistically nurturing environment per se yeah but I I think you put it the best way to be honest when you think about anybody who's a really creative person the DNA is there. DNA um, in your parents, you know what I'm saying? It's just that, um, like you said, maybe sometimes life gets in the way and yeah. they're unable to do the things that you're able to do today. Exactly. Would you say, cause you named a, a number of things that you did creatively, but what is your earliest memory of doing something creative, like creating something, whether it was for school or for someone's birthday or whatever it may be? I, th- I think it is that stop motion memory because I, okay. I got in so much trouble for using that camera, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got the, the whooping of the century for using that camera right. Um, right. because when I did take it down the first time, I dropped it. So I think a piece uh, broke off of it or something. I don't know, but it still worked because I was still using it. But um, but either way, um, I continued to use it uh, secretly, and I was making these videos and um. And that was my earliest memory. Then I then I showed it to my friends and I showed showed them how to do it. And it just kind of went from there. Um, and it's so funny when I have to think about it because I did that and then drawing took over and it just like went away. It just stopped. It didn't come back until um until seventh grade. So I don't know how many years that is, from seven years old to seventh grade, whatever that is. I started cutting school. And I was cutting school with my um my cousin Jason and Mark. And um, <laughs> we uh, we went to the pawn shop. So you just going to snitch on them like that? Like you just going to say their yeah, names? It was like 40 years ago. <laughs> so yeah. But, right. anyway. but, but yeah, man, he traded in his Sega Saturn because he had mad game systems. He traded in his Sega Saturn for a VHS um, camcorder. And that's when film came mm. back into life. And this is seventh grade. We used to break in abandoned houses. And we used to make these films. We just used to like make up a scene and somebody would hop out of a, you know, a closet or something like that or whatever. And it was, that's what we did. Then we would go back to the house, order some pizza and then play it back, you know, and we would do that pretty much every day. I cut school every day. So that's, <laughs> that was like the, the, um, the middle section of that. But that, that continued until, um, my cousin Mark passed away. So then it stopped mm. again. So. All of the the film stuff and and going around the way and 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 all that stuff like just cutting school all that just stopped and then when I got to college I took um, DJing serious and I got into the radio station and I started doing I uh, started doing so many more things with music and I was still making music and whatnot and, um, right. and while yeah. I was in the radio station um. <laughs> This guy from Red Bull approached me and asked me if I wanted to make a documentary. And I didn't even know what that was at the time. So that's the beginning of how film came back into my life early on. You know, so it's like it's it's really weird how film was like, hey, what you doing? 
you know, and then I left it alone. Right. And it was, hey, man, uh, just checking on me, uh, seeing if you want to do this thing or not. And I'm like, no, <laughs> right, no, right. I'm going to do this music. And then it was like, yo, this is your last chance, bro. You know, I'm about to, I'm about to peace out. Do you want to do this film thing or not? And then I took, you know, just went from there and here I am. I think that's, that's really dope because honestly, that's, that's exactly what these conversations are about, right? Um, not necessarily asking the question directly about how you got there, but, um, just by how you've answered has shown us that this thing has, uh, which is filmmaking has been a part of your life since the beginning, right? Yeah. Earliest yeah. Uh, memory does with stop motion, right? Like it's, it's a thread through your life, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, and obviously a, a passion. So this was what, 2007? When, when did, when did this road to becoming a cinematographer begin? Yeah, it was, it was definitely um, 2007, is when uh, this guy from Red Bull came into the, he was just wandering in um, at, at Morgan State University. I was in the student radio lab and he came in and was saying like, where are all the students at? And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> you know, but, um, <laughs> right. you know, and then uh, he started talking to me about what he was looking for. And he just told me, you know, he's looking for some students to make a documentary um, or actually a, a, um, a creative project. And then it became, you know, they were offering tools to make a documentary and um went up to this meeting at Towson University didn't know what it was about and you know just decided to go and from that um that 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 chance that risk I took just going up there not knowing what it was about just being curious again right uh this guy said they're going to offer us the opportunity to make a documentary and um after that meeting I said I was interested I called him on the phone told him I was interested in doing it and um, I met him at the Friendlies in Towson, and he pulled up in this bright VW Jetta or whatever it was, popped his trunk, and then gave me this big box. It was heavy, too, and it was Final Cut 7. It was like the old school Final Cut with all the, wow. the CDs in there. It was like $1,300 at the time, right? He just gave it mm -hmm. to me. You can have it. And I'm like, wow, okay. I didn't know how much it was worth at the time, right? Right, and right. That, a um uh, um but this is before I even had a computer. A computer fell into my lap because a friend of mine was moving away to another country and he said, Hey, you can have this computer because I know you're trying to um start doing video. Boom. That fell into my lap. So I ended up finding this camera um on Craigslist. This guy was <laughs> he was getting divorced and he was like, She's not gonna get this. His words. <laughs> and, oh um, wow. Right. And um and I asked my mother. She's never purchased anything for me. We this was always the, uh, hey Ma, can I get this cereal? We ain't got it. You know what I mean? That this is the that's right. the narrative that I grew up on, and she saw how much I really wanted. She could see it in my eyes, and she wrote me a check for seven hundred dollars, and it felt like everything just kind of converged at one moment mm. without me having to even ask for it. So it felt really divine, and I, I felt that it would be disrespectful to God if I would not pursue this with all of my, all of my being, mm -hmm. you know, and all of my intent. Wow. So I literally put everything into that, into that documentary and it was called product of my environment. To be or not to be, am I or aren't I a production of my neighborhood household 
or personal beliefs. A person can naturally become the sum of their immediate surroundings, easily. A lifestyle change can alter a person's attitude, which will ultimately transform how you feel, creating something new. Am I still a product of my environment? Maybe. If people look it up, you can still see it on YouTube. It's, it's horrible. It's my first, first thing ever. <laughs> right. It was back in 2007, but, you know, it's there. And um, since then, I saw that it was a, um, a viable source. Uh, it screened at the Charles Theater, got a standing ovation. And um, that just let me know, you know, I didn't feel like it was the greatest thing, but I felt like this is something that I should continue to look into. And that was the beginning of like me becoming a cinematographer. I I love the fact that nothing is really coming easy, right? You had to work for the turntables. This guy just happened to give you Final Cut Pro. Your your friend just happened to be leaving and said, "Here, take my computer. I know you're doing this." And your mother could see you rising, right? And she supported you in that moment, right? You may have asked for, like, hey, can I get some cookies? Nah, I ain't got it, right? Yep. How much cookies cost? Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we got cookies at home. <laughs> right, right. We don't have none. We, and I can't, I ain't wasting money on that. But your mother could see it. She knew, right? She yep. could see it happening. And, and that means, you know, she was paying attention to her child, right? To know that this is something that he's passionate about. This is not a, a waste of an investment. Right. Yep. Just the simple fact that you pointed out how there were other moments where, uh, you know, you, you may have asked for something and didn't get it. But this uh, time in particular, she saw fit to do it. And I think that's just dope. That's just dope to hear. Speaking of early projects, Jamar was me and him. We innovated. OK, let me it, it didn't take off <laughs> or maybe it did. But we don't know if 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 it did, we need our receipts. But I had an idea of doing like a video resume, so to speak. Right. Instead of just a casual resume, let's just do a video resume. And I knew at the time Jamar was working on some of these things and I and I could see your passion about it. And I felt like, okay, well, I could I don't mind being a guinea pig for an idea because I too was trying to find my foot in, in, in broadcasting. And every time I look at, look at that video and I look at you now, I'm like, wow, look, look at where, look at where we are. But more importantly, look at where you are. Uh, what do you think about that? Have you seen that in, in a while? Yo, I, I, I have not seen that in a while, but I remember that being like the first time I, I ever went to New York. You know what I mean? Wow. We were in New York, okay. right? Were we were in New York. Ooh. Yeah, we were in Brooklyn. But yeah, that was my first time like experiencing New York. And it was just such a, it was a magical, that's the word I'm choosing to use for this. It was a magical time mm. because I was there and I had purpose to be there. And that's, that's something right. that I always uh, look for is that when I get, uh, when I, when I go places or, you know, whatever, I'm just like, well, why am I here? You know, I just don't like to be somewhere just to be somewhere. You know, it just has to right. you know, have more of a reason. If I'm, if I'm somewhere to relax, I'm, that's why I'm there, you know? So I just want to have a reason for it. And I was there to create something. And that that kind of created a time capsule for us, you know, to say like this, this is the beginning of this. This right. is this is uh, um, this is another um, 10 and uh, the 10,000 hours that you have to do to master something, you know. So that's that's um, that was a beautiful thing 
uh, it was the first time I had done anything like that also, right? Like, you know, here you, you're coming on uh, basically a location shoot, right? And yep. we're just kind of rummaging around uh, Dumbo, not the nice one that exists today, the other one where you're just <laughs> under a bridge <laughs> and there's yeah. alleys and yep. one stores, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but it was just a dope experience, a dope day. And I could tell from from your passion, this was the kind of thing that you like to do. And I think, you know, for the time and what we wanted, it came out pretty dope. Tell me about Good News Baltimore. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. You feel it feel like Nardward right now, man. <laughs> you bring yourself out the past. Um so Good News Baltimore, uh, I feel like in our early in this conversation, we were talking about um, like positive things and, and it having a footing and um, for a very small crowd. Um, my attempt to not go into news, because it seems like everybody that graduated with me from Morgan State University went into news. That's not where I wanted mm-hmm. to be. I just didn't know how to get to being in film because I didn't go to a film school. Um, and... Uh, you know, Morgan had more of a broadcast forward um, curriculum. So um, wow. after I did, I took all the radio classes. I ended up taking TV classes because I was more interested in into cameras and things like that. And um, my attempt to not go into that was creating a show that kind of combated the wire um, because everywhere mm-hmm. I went, everywhere I talked to, it was, oh, you from Baltimore? Oh, okay, you, you, you part of the wire. It's like, come on. Oh, no. Come on, buddy. Like, that's a TV show. But yeah, it is real. It is and can be very real. So just like any city, it's just that those cities don't have a show about it. And it just so happens that Baltimore has a very specific um, narrative. So I decided Mm. to create a show that would highlight the things that are positive that are happening in our own backyard. You know, so we would do, um, uh, we would have a, it's a segmented show that would focus on, um, nonprofits that are doing certain things and, um, and it not, it wouldn't be, um, live. It would be something that is ongoing. So that way people could participate and we would always have a call to action for people to say, Hey, if you want to be a part of this, this is going on. This is where they located. These are the people you see what's happening and it's free because these nonprofits yeah. couldn't afford to or have the time to take take time out of their schedule take to, uh, take money out of their budget to create these videos that would promote the the good work that they're doing you know so that was early on in my career where I I spent years doing that and it's a beautiful thing and I'm glad that I did because that um Good News Baltimore ended up being a place for filmmakers to cut their teeth and that's a place where um, we honed our skills and we became like a family. Um, and it was also a place because it was a segmented show. I was able to highlight some local talent as well as far as music. And I had a, um, a segment called the Artist Spotlight where I would um, interview these artists and I would uh, um, do a whole um, multicam performance. Like they would do a performance and it would have lights and everything. And it was inspired by this this um, this show that I think used to come on a Sundance channel called Live from Abbey Road. 
They had Gnarls Barkley and Jamiroquai. Um, and those two performances just blew me away. And the way that they did it, it's like, I want to do that. So we got a bunch of DSLRs and and let it, told everybody roll at the same time. And you know what I mean? Right. I just <laughs> right. cut it together after everything was done. And it was gorgeous, man. And um, and speaking of the video resume, that's what I wanted the artists to use. I want them to utilize that because a lot of these artists couldn't afford to have like a, um, a EPK, an electronic press kit. So that way they could say, mm-hmm. you know, hey, here's who I am and here's what I do. And this is my music, you know, so that way Baltimore could um, get some, you know, get some recognition for the good things that they're doing and the great artists that we have. Yeah, I remember the first time I um, watched some of it. I, I was I was proud. I almost shed a tear, almost, almost like slightly, you know, welled up a little bit. But I just thought it was so dope to see, you know, what you were doing kind of manifest itself into greater things. And obviously you've done even greater than that. But um, I just thought it was a dope idea and it was well done. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of people have creative ideas, but the execution isn't there. And sometimes you know, the idea dies as a result of the execution. Yeah. Um, but I think y'all did an excellent job of pulling that off, even with it being, you know, short-lived. It's it's still something that someone can go back and look at and be inspired by. They got to look at it on, on your link because I'll give it to you so that way you can put it out because it ain't nowhere <laughs> else. Because I, Oh, honestly, really? Okay. Yeah, and just to put it on the record, I, I shut it down because – Becoming more um, in line with being a a business person. So uh, we talked about my my upbringing and stuff like that. I had to learn how to do music. I had to learn how to be a DJ. I had to learn how to do film. I had to learn how to do business. And I've never had a mentor in any of this. I've learned from other people as they go, and I and I watch and learn right. um, from other people's mistakes. However. I've never had someone say, hey, this is how you do this. So I had to segment myself like um, I had to become what I call um, AJ. I had to become artist Jamar and I have to become EJ, which is entrepreneur Jamar. You know, I have to designate times to be that person, you know, so that way I can think in a certain way. I have to switch my brain chemistry to do that. And when I decided to activate entrepreneur Jamar, I realized that I'm fighting a continuous uphill battle for something that will not bring Mm -hmm. me the financial prosperity that I desire as a father and as a creative, you know? So I had to, I had to lay that to rest. Um, and, um, and we, we did a documentary about it and like why good news Baltimore should exist and all this other stuff. Um, I even spoke to, um, Courtney Austin, um, who has a doctorate in in happiness, you know what I mean? And also mm-hmm. um, experimented with other things like this with CNN. You know, like it's just, it's just not, people People want to see more carnage and, and, um, and negative things. There was another show in Baltimore called Bad News Baltimore. I got Good News Baltimore. Hey, Bad News what? Baltimore. And it was so oh. successful. My man Bird, my man Bird did it. He's, he's amazing. He's an amazing person, but he knows what the people want. And the people do yeah. not care about free food services and 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 all these other things, you know. What I mean, co ops and, and and you know neighborhood cleanups and stuff like that. They don't care. Right. They want it, but they don't want to hear about it, and they don't want to. They don't want to participate in it. So it's just something that had to um, 
something that had to um close the doors on it. And it's, and it's extremely sad to me, you know, after the set that yeah. I built and all the other time that I put into it. But um, I'm glad that I had that experience because it brought me the people that I work with to this day, you know, and it sharpened our skills and made us who we are. You have some new projects that you're working on. Um, and forgive me if this is already out or anything like that, but you have two short films. Yes, I do have two that are in progress right now. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out if I want to talk about them. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I have two that are um that are in progress right now. Um and um yeah, eleven eleven is is the um is the is is one of the the ones that I've been working on for such a long time. Eleven eleven mm-hmm. is an experimental film that explores the net the nature and human souls. Um, the intersect of technology and spirituality in an immersive gallery experience. So this is not just a film. It's a, um, it's supposed to be designed to be in, um, in a, in a gallery setting. So it, it is a film medium, but it's supposed to be experienced right. in a way that is, um, designed in, in a gallery setting. So <clears throat> that film okay. is, um, it's a short film and it's, um, more of experimental. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a little hard to describe, man, because it's, it's going to be really far out there. I, I don't know if you can see me at all, but right. I got this shirt with these Indinkra symbols on and it's going to have, you know, um, it's going to have a lot of, um, callbacks to our culture, African culture <laughs> and life beyond the stars, basically, basically thinking about life after death and, and, and what it looks like and, and our purpose and, our, and, and on earth and in the afterlife, you know, so. Yeah, this this film was definitely an inspired by all the time that we take to um, to give to work um, that we and we don't designate time to be creative and just to explore and be curious. Because I literally, literally called up the team, the same team that helped me do Good News Baltimore, and um, and I said, "Hey, man, uh, we got to do something." And I had that had that battery in my back because I was literally leaving a friend of mine who was. Um, he um decided to take himself off of uh um life support, you know. And the last thing he said to me was, you know, I wish we had I wish we actually did the creative things that I said we wanted to do. That hit real hard. So I wanted to make sure I just like there's no excuses, just do it. Make time just to do, do it. it. One thing I wanna say about uh everything that's been revealed about you and your creative process and your history is that um that little guy that liked to take things apart and put them back together and and like you said, not having a mentor and, and sort of learning how to uh, do all the things you do on your own, um, including becoming a businessman. Uh, it's a it's a trait for you, right? It's you. You are excellent at reverse engineering. Right. Mm-hmm. This, that's how you learn. And once you do it, you got it. And I think it shows in, in what you do, because, again, when I saw uh, Good News Baltimore, when I've seen some of your other projects. I don't think I've ever seen anybody personally. Obviously, there are people out there, right, cinematographers or whatever. But personally, I've never seen anybody start at the bottom with how they were going to do this and not really know where the road is going to lead, but to take it to this level. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it, and to the point where um, 
you're on a scale that's far beyond anything I could think of as far as personally and the people I know. So I appreciate that, man. I, um, mm-hmm. I do want to mention having to do those things. Um, I realized at a certain point in my career that I'm also a director. I'm not just behind yes. the camera. I'm, I'm directing, I'm giving direction to the people as a DP, you're the director of photography. So you control the image and how it looks, the lighting and the movement and things like that and how it interacts with the characters. But at a certain point, I'm directing the characters as well. So um, I ended up having to get some of these ideas out of my head and I wrote some scripts. And um, one piece that I just had to do very quickly, which (laughs) as I'm looking at it, as I'm looking at the title, it ties back into who I am and the narrative of just promoting Black positivity. This piece is called A Moment of Black Love. And it's literally just this singular moment. And I mean, it's a very short piece, so um, I can give you the link and you can put it up so that way other people can check it out. But it's just some literally a moment between a husband and a wife where the wife just needs a little bit of encouragement after a hard day. And the husband is right there. Hey, I'm glad you're home. How did it go? Take a guess. That good, huh? I mean, I don't know. They all end kind of the same when they hit you with the, I'll let you know if anything comes up. Nothing feels right. I don't even know if I want to work with any of these people. And I think that's what makes it feel worse. These people aren't even my top pick and they're not jumping at the sight of my resume. Did we make the right move? What, moving here? Yeah. Babe, no matter where we go, we have everything we need. Look at me, look at me. If we're gonna live the life we talked about, It's not going to be easy. It's not. But if we keep working at it, we can accomplish anything together. My business is going to grow and you're going to get the position in the company you want. We just have to figure out the best way for the company you want to find you. So for now, don't be so hard on yourself. All right? Yeah. And that's it. You know, it's no, it's no drama. She didn't find on his phone. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right. Things going on. You know, it's no zombies outside. It's nothing like (laughs) right. It's literally just a moment of black love. So, and I feel like um, we all need to see stuff like that um, every now and then. So. Sometimes we just have conversations about work and there's nothing else about it. You know, it's it's just that. It's like, you don't ever (laughs) see that, you know, what you want to do. Right. You don't ever see that, you know, and it's, and it can be such a beautiful moment to, to, to see that and to explore that, you know, and um, uh, my DP, Samson, Samson Benutu uh, from Maryland, you know, he, he, um, he lends this for me and, um, yeah, man, it was. I think that it came out uh, beautifully, and I just want other people to get their eyes on it, you know. So, uh, whenever you can, 
just check it out. What would you say is your dream project? Like you, you got the, you got the budget, unlimited budget, whatever it may be. Um, you have access to not only resources, but actors or whatever you would, what would be your, your dream project at the end of the day? That's that's like saying describe yourself in one word. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> right? Right. I don't know if, I, if I even because the, the beautiful thing about my career is that I didn't, I did I couldn't even fathom in the beginning that I would have a company. I couldn't fathom in the beginning that I would be a homeowner. You know, there's so many things right. that I there's it's outside of my realm of imagination and possibility because I can think of so many things, but it's like, oh, this is this is the way that you're taking me, God. I get it. You know? So um I would to answer your question, I would probably have to lean on the conversation that I had with my son yesterday. He was telling me that mm. the the show She Hawk cost twenty five million dollars an episode. Don't know if it's true. Don't know if it's true. We were just having a conversation. <laughs> right. Home and son, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, liable or whatever. But um, right. just thinking about that, I said, man, you know what I could do for $25 million? I'm like, I could start a whole company. So when you right. ask me about uh, my dream project, my dream project is bigger than me. Um, it would involve creating um, a bigger version of the company that I have now where we would be able to fund our own films, um, mm. be able to do multiple projects, you know? And um, and that's one episode of a show. For $25 million, I could start my own, you know, distribution or whatever. You know, we could we could get so many feature films done, you know, and, and have the budget for marketing and things like that. That's the kind of project that I would do, is a series of feature films that I would be able to fund from filmmakers that wouldn't normally have the opportunity to do so, you know, it wouldn't even be me, you know, I wouldn't even be worried about right. that. As long as I would be able to provide that, that would be success. Well, Jamal Jones, thanks for joining me. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Jamal Jones is a cinematographer and film director. You can find out more about his company, Six Point Pictures, by following the link in the description of this episode. My Little Podcast is produced by yours truly, your host, Steve Ann Smith. This podcast is available on all podcasting platforms. So subscribe, review, and share it with people you know would enjoy this kind of content. Remember, stay productive and follow your passion. Peace. Just a small boy. Don't.